Welcome back to the One God Report podcast. Bill Schlegel here. In this episode, I'm going to continue with a response to the article by Simon Turpin from Answers in Genesis that I started to respond to last episode. If you haven't heard that previous episode, you may want to look at that first, where we began to talk about the accusation that Jesus couldn't be just a mere man. And I suggested, among other things, that that accusation is really satanic in the sense of being accusatory, saying, oh, that can't be a man at God's right hand, a mere man at the right hand of God. That accusation slanders the man Christ Jesus and all of humanity. So let's call this episode, Jesus had to be a mere man, or he had to be a human being. So the first thing I'd like to do is just take a look at a few scriptures that, in contrast and in direct contradiction to the deity of Christ claims that Jesus couldn't be a mere man, the Bible says explicitly and clearly that it was necessary and sufficient that Jesus be a mere man not a God or a God-man. Let me emphasize that word sufficient, because I think as a Trinitarian or a deity of Christ believer, somehow in my head I was thinking, well, Jesus couldn't just be man because of the problem of the so-called total depravity, that man is totally depraved or has a so-called sin nature. And what I would suggest is that Let's not let a human philosophy, probably stemming really from Greek philosophical roots to Augustine in the 400s AD and focused on again by the reformer John Calvin, where that philosophy is going to cause us to say who the Messiah could or couldn't be, right? The idea is if humanity is totally depraved, then Jesus couldn't just be a man because he'd be a sinner and he wouldn't be a sufficient Redeemer, or somehow he wouldn't be enough to redeem us from our own sin. Well, the scriptures actually say that sin and death came through a man, and the redemption from sin and death came through a man. The scriptures never say that Jesus had to be God or a God man to reconcile us to God. Quite the contrary. Let's look at a few scriptures. I'll just start with one scripture from the book of John, the gospel, which the deity of Christ folks like to go to, that Jesus said specifically in the gospel of John, I am a man who told you the truth that I heard from God. This is John 8.40. Now, is Jesus a liar? Is he being clever? Don't make Jesus into a liar, some kind of deceptive guy that He's really God inside of him, but he says, I am a man. Let's not make Jesus into a non-binary God-man. The divine nature says one thing, and the human nature says another thing. And then I would challenge people that suggest that Jesus can't be a mere man to really focus in on the book of Acts and then Romans. See if any of the apostles in the book of Acts preach that Jesus had to be more than a man, or are they preaching that he is a man? 
through whom God worked. Like I mentioned in the previous podcast, Acts chapter 2, verse 22, Peter's preaching, full of the Holy Spirit, and he says that Jesus Christ is a man attested by God through the miracles that God did through him. And then in Acts 2.36, Peter sums up that sermon, and he says, God has made the crucified, put to death Jesus, the man, the human being. God has made him Lord and Christ. So nowhere in the book of Acts do the apostles say that Jesus is God, or is a God-man, or has two different natures that people must believe that he's God or a God-man. Nowhere in the book of Acts do the apostles ever say such things. And thousands of people were being saved who had never heard of the Trinity or of the so-called fully God, fully man Jesus. And then note how often in the New Testament, perhaps focus on Paul's letters, how Paul differentiates between the Lord, Jesus Christ, and God. Paul constantly differentiates between the two, not only between the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father, but between the Lord Jesus Christ and God. Not so long ago, I took a Bible, and very neatly, with a couple of different colored pencils, I marked the differences between God and the Lord Jesus Christ. In some of Paul's letters, I neatly underlined or circled God with an orange colored pencil, and Jesus, or the Lord Jesus Christ, with a blue pencil. Sometimes, ten times a page, God was differentiated from the Lord Jesus Christ. You might try doing an exercise like that sometime. And also take a real close look at the book of Romans, chapter 5. Like in verse 12, where Paul says that, as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. So death spread to all men. Sin came into the world through one man. Now Paul is going to describe Jesus as the second Adam, not the second God, not the second God-man, but the second man. Look at verse 15. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the gift in the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Paul did not say that Jesus had to be a God or a God-man. He says explicitly here, that what God is doing to redeem our sin and death dilemma is happening through one man, Jesus Christ. Look at it again in Romans chapter 5, verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. There's no philosophical speculation in Paul's mind about humankind all being in the situation of total depravity so that God would not be able to bring redemption through a human being. Just the opposite. Paul says that as death and sin came through one man, 
Even so, God's grace and gift of righteousness came through one man. One man. Look at 1 Corinthians 15.21. Paul says this, For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also had to come through a God-man. Sorry, that's not what it says. Don't add to the scripture, lest you be found a liar. The resurrection of the dead also came through a man. This is clear. This is explicit. There's no fuzziness about this. There's no speculation. Paul says that as death came through a man, one singular human being, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man, one singular real human being, not a God dressed up with human flesh. Look at 1 Timothy 2, 4-5, where Paul says that God desires all human beings to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Now, what is a knowledge of the truth? That God had to become a man and take on a human nature? No. He says, a knowledge of the truth is this, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, a man, Christ Jesus. Unquote. This is what Paul says. Don't put words into Paul's mouth saying that Paul is a Trinitarian or something like that. Paul says there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, a man, Christ Jesus. The claim that Jesus had to be more than a man or had to be God to atone for our sins, in the end, tries to eliminate the one mere man the one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. And the claim tries to declare that what God did in the man, Christ Jesus, is not enough, not sufficient. Let's not tell God, hey God, what you provided through the one man, the one human being, Jesus, the Messiah from Nazareth, what you did through his death and resurrection, that's not enough, God. That's not sufficient, God. Not good enough. God, you must die. Is this what we're saying? Do you think God died? Do you think it's biblical to declare that God had to die? Does the Bible say that God died? Or does the Bible say that the man Jesus of Nazareth was put to death and raised from the dead by his God. I've actually had PhDs in theology tell me that God died, but they redefine death. They define that as just a separation of the spirit God the Son from the human flesh. But no matter how you define death, you're saying that God did it. And I don't think you can redefine death so easily. The idea of the separation of the soul from a body being death is simply Greek Plato philosophy. The claim is that I don't really die, but my flesh dies. That claim is such a lie 
it goes right back to the beginning, when someone said to man, you won't die. And others will say, no, God didn't die. Only the human Jesus died, or the human nature of Jesus died. But in saying that, the deity of Christ believer or Trinitarian destroys the argument that he began with by saying that a mere human couldn't reconcile us to God. The Trinitarian says that Jesus had to be God to atone for mankind's sin. But then he turns around and claims that God didn't die, only the human nature of Jesus died, or the human Jesus died. So the very thing the Trinitarian claimed was necessary for the forgiveness of sin, that God would die, didn't happen. Only the human nature died. And it's all a bunch of non-biblical, philosophical, theological speculation. Nobody in the Bible ever speculates on a divine nature of Jesus or a human nature of Jesus, which one of those natures died in the Bible, the resurrected from the dead Jesus, the Son of God, as Paul says, the death of God's Son reconciled us to God, Romans chapter 5, verse 10. And the raised from the dead Jesus, the Son of God, said, I was dead. I was dead. Don't tell Jesus you're a liar by saying, you didn't really die. You just separated from flesh. Folks, the Bible does not say that the death of a personless human nature is our mediator. The Bible says that the one mediator between God and man is a man, Christ Jesus. There is no other mediator other than the man, the mere man, Christ Jesus. The answers are in Genesis. God said to man concerning disobedience and rebellion, concerning sin, you, man, you will certainly die. Not just that your flesh is going to die, not that your spirit is going to be separated from your flesh and you will keep living. No, God said, you will certainly die. But here's what deity of Christ believers are doing. They speak back to God and they say, no, God, you die. I'll just make one other comment about the section in the Answers in Genesis article called, Is Jesus Just a Human Messiah? I've gone through some of these other references already. In the previous podcast, the author just seems to be slinging a whole bunch of references up against the wall and hopefully something sticks and people don't really look them up. And if you look them up, they don't say what he's claiming that they say. Again, it's not just this author. These are all typical Trinitarian arguments. But one of the things I'll briefly mention is this effort to try and say that Paul is inserting Jesus into the Shema, Hero Israel in Deuteronomy 6.4. This is deceptive trickery and false testimony to say that Paul is making Jesus God by inserting him into the Shema in 1 Corinthians 8.6. People hear this argument. They haven't really examined it for themselves, but they hear it and they pass it on without really thinking about it. 1 Corinthians 8.6 starts out by saying, As for us, there is one God, the Father. 
Now, what kind of exegetical trickery do we have to do using the ambiguity of the word Lord or playing on the meaning of the word Lord in Greek or English or other languages that the Greek has been translated into to get around that statement that says explicitly that for us, there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things. One God, the Father. Yes, then Paul continues on in that verse and he says, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things. Now, if you read Paul's letters, Paul uses the title Lord often for Jesus Christ, but it does not mean God. The Father is the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like Peter said in Acts 2.36, God has made Jesus Lord. To be called Lord does not necessarily mean that you are God. There are many other lords in the scripture. But we have one ultimate human Lord, Jesus the Messiah, who has been raised from the dead and seated at God's right hand. Just like Psalm 110 says, there is God in Psalm 110 and there is the human Lord who sits at God's right hand. 1 Corinthians 8.6, there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things. The one God, the Father, is the source of all. And one Lord who has been raised from the dead, through whom are all things. Paul is talking about the new beginning in the man, Jesus Christ. He's the second Adam. Just like everyone who has ever lived and all human society came through the first Adam, one man, all in the next age come through the one man, the firstborn from the dead, Jesus Christ. Let me close with one other verse from the lips of the Apostle Paul, as recorded in Acts chapter 17, verse 31. Paul declares to his Gentile audience in Athens that God has fixed a day on which he will judge the world. Now, who is that he, that singular person? You're right, it's the Father, not a triune God. A day on which he, God, has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. Your judge and my judge will be a man, not a God-man, not a God dressed up in human flesh, but a man who has been designated and given the authority to judge by God, the God who is a he, not a God who is an it or a they. That God, he, will judge the world in righteousness by or through a man, a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he, that's God, singular, has given us assurance to all men by raising him from the dead. Your judge and my judge is the man, Christ Jesus. Not a God-man, not a God dressed up in human flesh, but a man, Christ Jesus, 
who has been raised from the dead and is now at the right hand of God. I'll stop there for now and plan to do one more podcast where I will respond to the last sections of this article by Answers in Genesis, where the author asks three questions. He asks, did Jesus become a man? Did Jesus pre-exist? And did Thomas call Jesus God? These three sections respond to some of my blog posts, and they deal with three or four verses which the Trinitarian deity of Christ believers really think show that somehow Jesus is God. John 1.1, John 1.14, and also John 17.5, and then Thomas's declaration in John 20.28. 20, These verses are part of what my friend Dale calls the canon within the canon of the Trinitarian world. Typical verses that are always brought up. Really, they have just a few verses that they take as authoritative. What if it can be shown that these verses don't say what deity of Christ people believe? See, in a sense, I'm touching the apple of the deity of Christ eye here when I show that John 1.1 or John 1.14 or John 17.5 does not say what the deity of Christ believer says. So I'll plan to look at those three sections in the next episode. Yishma'u anavim ve yismahu. The humble will hear and rejoice.